No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Childbirth is simultaneously a wonderful miracle and a painful ordeal. Today we see where God made a special provision in the law for a woman after she gave birth to a child. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Leviticus chapter 12 on Simply the Bible. Today's study is twofold. It's about restoring a woman after she has gone through the ordeal of childbirth. It's also about testifying that we are all born into this world as sinners. Truly, there's nothing grander or more breathtaking than the birth of a child. I was able to witness the birth of both of our children. It is simultaneously a wonderful miracle and a painful crisis. It is also a bloody affair. Under the law, any flow of blood would make a woman unclean. It was no different in childbirth. But God made provision in the law for a woman to be purified and restored after she had given birth. We pick it up in Leviticus chapter 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As in the days of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. Whenever a woman had her menstrual period, she was considered ceremonially unclean. Her husband could not have sexual relations with her, and anyone who touched her or her bedding was considered unclean. The same was true after childbirth. If she gave birth to a male child, then she would be ceremonially unclean for seven days. And on the eighth day, she would present her son to be circumcised. By the eighth day, the clotting mechanism in the blood has developed. So it really is the ideal time to circumcise. This was the covenant that God made with Abraham and his descendants it was a sign that every child was born into sin and that the cutting away of the flesh was necessary to be God's holy people. It was symbolic of cutting away the life lived for the gratification of the flesh to be set apart to God. The woman would then continue in her purification for 33 days. She was considered ceremonially unclean and could not touch any holy thing. For example, if she were married to a priest, she couldn't eat the peace offerings. She could not enter the tabernacle until this period of purification was completed. This would give her time to bond with her child when others would leave her alone. If this was the same as when she was on her menstrual period, then she wouldn't have sexual relations with her husband, although that is not specifically mentioned. It would certainly give her time to heal and recover from the physical ordeal of childbirth. It would also help protect her from infection. 
But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purification 66 days. Now, I have read several commentaries on why the time was doubled for a female child versus a male child, and nobody agrees. The explanation I'm most comfortable with is that we don't know. God doesn't tell us why. But she would have a total of 80 days to spend alone with her baby girl. Verse 6, when the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who has born a male or a female, and if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a burnt offering and the other as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her, and she will be clean." Before she could be restored to normal social relations and return to the tabernacle, she had to offer a burnt offering and a sin offering. This was for her own ceremonial cleansing as well as a testimony that every child is born into sin. The fact that atonement was made for her does not mean that she sinned by having a child or by having sexual relations. Before sin entered the world, God told people to multiply and fill the earth. He called all his creation good, including sexual relations between a husband and wife. The atonement was to cleanse her from her flow of blood and to restore her to fellowship with God and others. Whereas before this time, people would avoid her, now they could embrace her. God made provision for the poor in that if she couldn't afford a lamb as a burnt offering, then she could bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a burnt offering and one as a sin offering. Incidentally, when Mary completed her days of purification, her and Joseph went to the temple and brought two turtle doves, indicating that they were a couple of humble means. Mary had to bring the sin offering as any other woman would. The sin offering wasn't for her son, but for herself. The scripture is clear that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and was born sinless, not inheriting the sin nature from Adam. However, Mary, as any other child, was born with a sin nature. Therefore, she had to present the sin offering, the same as anyone else. To teach that children are born into this world as sinners is politically incorrect. The world accepts that we are innocent until proven guilty. But God declares that no one is innocent. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all inherited a sin nature from Adam. We're not sinners because we've sinned. We sin because we're sinners. David wrote in Psalm 51, 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. You see, Adam was the first man and the head of humanity. And when he sinned, he sinned federally for all of us. Therefore, sin and death were passed on to every human. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 1.8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, you may not like to be called a sinner, but there's nothing you can do about that. All you can do is accept God's provision in Jesus Christ for your sin nature as well as for the sins you've committed. Having had two children of our own and coming up now on four grandchildren, I can tell you that these little creatures, as cute as they are, are sinners. We don't have to teach them how to lie or disobey. It comes naturally for them. My generation grew up with the teaching that Children are innocent, and if you ever lay a hand on them, you'll scar them for life. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Now, this is never a license for abuse. A child should be able to recover physically from discipline within a matter of minutes. But it is pure foolishness to think that a parent can reason with a two-year-old. By lovingly applying the rod of correction, tears flow, guilt is released, hugs are received, and children are restored to family life a little wiser and knowing that their parents love them enough to discipline them. As David wrote in Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we accept the fact that we are born sinners, it also helps us to understand ourselves. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we react the way we do? I don't know about you, but even after walking with the Lord for nearly 40 years, I still surprise myself at how easily I can sin. It seems like I should have it more together by now. But when I accept the fact that I am a sinner, then I realize that this is the reason Christ went to the cross to save me. He is not surprised by my sin. Before he ever chose me, he saw me in my helpless and hopeless condition, and he had mercy on me. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This brings us great security. For we know that if Christ died for us while we were still sinners and living rebellious and sinful lives, then how much more does he love us and how much more will he save us to the uttermost now that we have received him as Savior and Lord and seek to follow his commandments? Such knowledge of his willingness to pardon a sinner like me does not give me a license to sin or to make excuses for my sin. It fills me with confidence that His grace is sufficient to pardon my sins when I will be honest and confess them before Him. And His blood is sufficient to wash them away. Finally, knowing that we are born sinners helps me to be merciful toward others. 
they are in the same boat as me. We are all sinners who naturally sin because we have a sin nature. I find myself making allowances for others rather than judging them. I find myself more willing to forgive because I know how much I have been forgiven. Accepting the universal depravity of man makes a profound impact on one's mental and spiritual health. And it explains so much of what we see in the world. I'll wrap up today's talk by saying that we have all had a mother. That's not a brilliant statement. She was born into sin. And we were born into sin. But God blesses motherhood. Because of Eve's failure, every mother gives birth to her child in pain. It is a bloody affair. She adds one more sinner to the world. But that is one more reason why Christ went to the cross. That is one more sinner who can be saved by God's amazing grace. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. You can also text WELCOME to 208-314-3377. That's 208-314-3377. Tomorrow we begin looking at a subject that is very important from a biblical perspective, leprosy. We'll see why this is so prevalent in scripture and its spiritual implications. We hope you'll join us as we continue through Leviticus on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.